Uh, glad to see you all this morning. I know it's not easy. I, <clears throat> is anybody's bathroom like 80 degrees? I know ours is, and it's like, oh, man, I really, it's really not the morning to get up and get a shower and go to church this morning, but <clears throat> here you are. You, you all did it just like we did, so good, good to see you this morning. Yeah, we had a great trip yesterday. I, I won't tell you too much about it in case you, you weren't able to go. I know there was... Um, <clears throat> several people that wanted to go but couldn't, and uh, so I don't want to ruin the surprise for you, but I, I will say this, it's worth it. <clears throat> it. It was definitely worth it. And uh, just just kind of amazing to see what God used. I guess, I guess for me as a preacher, just looking at it yesterday, and I've been kind of thinking about uh, you know, his ministry and just, just to see what God could use one man to do if he would just believe God. And that was kind of the theme of yesterday as, as we walk through there and, and of course you get down the gift shops and all the t-shirts had faith like Noah but uh, you know Noah being warned of God by faith uh, build an ark for him and his family and uh, that was that was interesting to see and and just the size of it <clears throat> I remember when we taught junior church uh, a, a life ago seemed like but we we took the kids out in this big field at the at the church where we were at and uh, I, I took my measuring wheel and we parked one kid here and wheeled it out and parked another kid there and wheeled wheeled the whole thing out and just stood there to to see how big it was. And I was that's you know you know even looking back on that standing there thinking wow that's that's huge but when you see that thing in life size form and everything it's uh, it's very impressive. So uh, if you ever get the opportunity chance to go. Uh, go it's it's very worth it and uh, just to see the size and the and the factor of it and everything was was pretty remarkable in the detail in the building and just the and I'm we're going through it and listen I kept talking I wonder how they did this how they, you know modern day not we're not looking we're not looking about uh how, how Moses did I'm like wow that's neat I wonder how they did that you know just to run the electric they didn't have that on the original and the ductwork, they didn't have that on the original, and how they hid everything. So uh, <clears throat> they had a book, but it was like 18 bucks, and I'm cheap. So I hurried up and flipped through it and looked at that while we were in the gift shop. <clears throat> but anyway, if, if you do get the opportunity to go, uh, it's definitely worth it. And, uh, uh, you know, there's a little bit of aspect of it that it's just we don't have all the details from the Bible, so they kind of <clears throat> filled in a lot of the blanks. And really, really it's designed... And, and I'll tell you this, it's designed for you to take, if, if you do get a chance to go, it's designed for you to take somebody that's potentially lost or that doesn't believe the Bible um, because the ark is really one of the hang-ups for a lot of naysayers when they look at the ark and they say, how is that possible? How could, how, how, the, all these questions of how. And um, so, so, they, so what they have done is taken a little bit of liberty and gone outside the Bible and, and the word possible comes up a lot. Possibly they could have done this, and possibly they could have done that. And shows us all the, you know, they had one chart that broke it down into, okay, there was, uh, there was six, you know, eight adults, and they could have, you know, this many hours a day, they could have performed this task, and this many hours a day, they could have performed that task. And, and we, we don't know how they did it all, but it's possible. That, that was the gist of of what that's about. It's, it's possible for all that to take place. It's possible to have all the animals on the ark. It's possible to survive that long. It's possible to store that much water and food. It's, it's all possible. 
So uh, that, that was kind of what I took away from it. You know, if you could take somebody that maybe is hung up on the Bible and maybe it's the Bible's just a fairy tale or whatever, it, it shows that it's possible. So uh, anyway, good trip, good trip. I know it was brutally cold and I know there have been a lot of people deathly ill <laughs> and... Uh, this, this winter, I, I tell you what, I, I don't know if anybody else's demeanor and attitude has just been like, uh, I, I don't mind the cold fingers and cold toes. It's the batteries and the frozen pipes and the gelled up diesel fuel and that's the stuff I'm tired of. I'm just, I'm ready to get over it and we're supposed to have 50 degrees this week and, and we got pipes froze here at church so even the Lord's house has that happen so... Just a reminder of this sin-cursed world we live in. Well, let's open up to uh, 2 Peter, and um, it's kind of interesting, uh, you know, because I, I, I kind of know what verses we're going to next, and, and maybe it's just a preacher thing every once in a while. I kind of think, look at the, the message and the way it's going to go, and the audience, and myself. Um, I, I chew on the message all week long. You just get, you know kind of a shock what's he going to talk about this week and what in the world where's he going to go with that and if you cheat and you look ahead you think oh okay well I know what that's about we'll just stay in bed this Sunday or whatever hopefully you don't do that um, but this week I thought well this is this is perfect for middle of winter I hope this is I hope we're actually past the middle of winter but I think when winter's only a couple weeks old but hopefully it's the peak of winter and we're this 50-degree weather is something to come. And this would be good encouragement, happy day, for us to just think about something other than this stupid weather. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. I, I was listening, you know, we, us men, we were kind of murmuring and complaining about all the, how, how the cold's been on us this past couple of weeks. And I heard other people just kind of listening as I'm walking around this morning. They were all just tired of it. We're, we're done with it. So... Let's get our minds off the cold, nasty. It's, it's actually warm up here, even though this furnace isn't working either. That's, I bet if, if you walked into a building and they had fans going, we've got one, two, three, four. We've got about five fans going in this building in the middle of winter. People be like, what is wrong with those people? We're just trying to get the heat everywhere. <laughs> so uh, we've got the fans going, heat's blowing up here, and, and let's, uh, let's think about spiritual things and not temporal things. Let's, let's think about things of the future, and uh, let's have some fun with that. What do you say? Should we do that? Let's do that today. Well, first or Second Peter, it'll probably take me a couple weeks to stop saying First Peter, but Second Peter, <clears throat> last week our New Year's message worked out perfect too. Uh, verse number two, uh, our, our, the message was, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you, through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus. So that is what, and I even put a post out there on the old Facebook world this week, but that's what I want for everybody. I, I want that for everyone I know. I, I don't want turmoil, and I don't want grief, and I don't want below 15, below weather to get us down and worry us about things that we can't control. And and I know some people, their propane tank went empty sooner, and, and that got me worrying this week. And I'm like, oh, I don't even want to go out and look at the dial because I'm sure ours is in the same situation. And we're downstairs in Sunday school this morning, and the furnace down there would run for about five minutes. 
kick off for 30 seconds and then kick right back on. I'm like, has it been doing that all week? <laughs> like, oh, what's the church's gas bill going to be? And just worry about stupid stuff, don't we? But let's think about grace and peace being multiplied to us this year. I, I want that. I, I, am, I am totally interested in that. And I want that for you. And one of the reasons that I, I feel like sometimes I become a church pusher, yeah, I think I'm a church pusher, is because when we come here, what is the focus of us coming here? Just like what Wade said last week, we learn about God. Such a generic answer, but that's the truth. That's, that's why we come to church. That's why we come to Sunday school. That's why we come to, to church service. That's, that's part of my service to you is, is reading from the Bible and learning about God. And then on Sunday nights, we come back and we learn about God. And, and, and guys, we started a new uh, series, I guess, new study on Sunday nights. And I don't know if I portrayed it across well enough last Sunday night, but it, we, we found some interesting stuff. And I, I'm only going chapter by chapter on this book because I don't want to get it, I don't even want to spoil it for myself. But we're looking at that God's hand through different people groups, through different parts of history in the past to lead and to prepare those people for, for Jesus Christ. And uh, we looked at the people uh, uh, in Greece and Athens last week. Uh, Paul went there and he said, You're, you guys have a God for everything. And here you have this altar, which was different than the statue of everybody else. He said, here you have this altar to the unknown God. And Paul said, let me tell you who he is. Well, they knew who he was. They just didn't know his name. They didn't know the details about him. They knew that there was a God that they didn't know his name. They just... They needed to know some more specific details, and, and Paul was there to tell them about the details, and, and it turned that city upside down because they knew there was a God that they didn't know. And um, so what is that? That is to strengthen us and to give us knowledge about God. And, and Wednesday night, when his pen starts and heroes in the back starts, uh, this Wednesday night, we're going to come up here, and, and I kind of thought, well, what are we, we going to talk about? Let's see. We, we've kind of gone through apologetics a couple times, and... And hopefully some, some lost parents will come up here and, and join in on our study. And, you know, that's kind of my focus on these Wednesday night studies when, when the adults are up here. I, I want to make sure that we get the gospel in there and that we, we tell people about, well, God, because that's where peace and grace comes from. So you ready for what this, this series of Wednesday night's lessons are going to be? You all look so excited, I can tell. <clears throat> it's past prophecy. It's going to be on past prophecy, and what is prophecy, and how does that unfold, and why prophecy is important, and we'll look at some of the statistics and numbers that are associated with that, and we might break the whiteboard out and put how many zeros of possibilities that, you know, that it's basically impossible for man to predict, and, and past prophecies are one of the ways that we can have knowledge and understanding of God, because He's the only one that can control things like that, so... Through that knowledge of God, we'll gain peace and we'll gain grace. So that's, that's kind of my job as the preacher every week is to get up here and to, to make us hunger for that knowledge of God and just to think uh, of what that was like. And, and as we went down to the ark yesterday, I think that was their goal too is to give them knowledge and to make them wonder and to make them think and see the possibilities from Scripture. And through those possibilities... Do you know cults do not want you to ask questions? Cults don't ask questions. Don't question anything. Only look at their facts. 
<clears throat> Christianity is not that way. Uh, when we look at things from our perspective and from our view, uh, we are told to question things and to take the Bible as the authority and even to question the miracles and the prophecies that are in this book. And uh, I'll probably talk about this again here in a minute, but as we went down to the ark, I, uh, I thought of uh, my favorite fake scientist, Bill Nye. Anybody ever heard of Bill Nye, the fake science guy? <clears throat> well, him and, him and Ken Ham, which I, Ken Ham got to meet me yesterday, and he actually got to shake my hand yesterday um, at lunch. So uh, you're supposed to giggle at that, I guess. <clears throat> but uh, uh, Ken Ham and Bill Nye, the science guy, they, they had a debate a couple years ago, and, and I watched the debate, and it was kind of boring. Um, but then, on July 8th, which was a day after the ark opened, anybody see that? Bill Nye went to the ark. The, the second day it was open, and I thought, are you serious? Why, why would he do that? Why would he go there the second day that it was open? And, of course, uh, Ken Ham invited him to come to the ark. He said, when it's open, come down. We'll give you a tour. We'd love to show you around. Well, he got with them and said, we'd like to come down on July 8th. And I'm thinking to myself, back when this happened, I thought, are you serious? The guy is going to show up the second day it's open? Why did he want to do that? It was almost like slamming a door that was beginning to open, and he wanted to show his ilk and his followers and his group that it was all nonsense and, and slam the door before it ever was ever opened. <clears throat> and uh, so this week I, I revisited that. It wasn't really an interview. It was just a debate session as they walked around the ark. And, and I looked at both perspectives, and, and I, don't think that, I don't think that Ken Ham did the greatest job. I'm sure he had a ton on his mind. They just opened the day before, and you know he probably wasn't quite in the right mindset and well ammoed to debate Bill Nye the second time. So, but, I, but I'm looking at that and, and looking at the preface of it, and what Bill Nye's major concern was was the indoctrination of the kids. That, that was his main worry and his main focus, and he kept saying that. He said, look at all these children, and, and you're, you're telling them your side of the story. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, you're telling the kids your side of the story. Why, why don't we just look at both sides of the story and weigh the facts out and see which side's right? And at the end of that interview, um, uh, Bill Nye got the attention of everybody and all these kids that were around here. And he says, kids, I, I want to tell you this. He says, when you grow up, and even, he even kind of debated like a, a six-year-old there, a six-year-old little girl. He was asking her questions. And, and she said, well, I, I believe what Mr. Ken Ham does. And this is a six-year-old, seven-year-old little girl. So he tells her this. He says, well, little girl, when you're old enough and when you can, uh, you know, make some clerical decisions on your own, he says, I encourage you to go to a university. And he kept saying that over and over. Go to a university. Go to a college. And I thought, all that is is telling them to only believe their side of the facts, only to look at their side of the facts, and only look at one side of the story. Well, as we go through this, we gain knowledge of God, but we also gain knowledge of the world that we live in. We know why there's death in the world that we live in. We have an answer for why there's death. Uh, you know, the, one of the main focuses for the ark is obviously the flood. That's why the ark exists. And we have evidence of the flood everywhere. If you look at a topographical map or even, I remember when we were in the, uh, 
elementary school, they had those maps that the teacher would take out of the drawer and they were plastic maps with the bumps on them. Anybody remember the maps with the bumps on them? And they, those were topographical, probably another name for them, but basically a topographical map. And I remember as a kid when looking at those maps thinking, that's exactly what it looks like in the sandbox. Anybody play in a sandbox or in the mud puddle? <clears throat> Maybe it's just boys. When get the hose out and build a lake and next thing you know you take your dozer through there and plow out the dam and it just releases all that water at once. It looks just like those topographical maps. You ever get in an airplane and fly over Waynesville, it's exactly what it looks like. We, we see you go to eastern Ohio and, and hunt. Why, why is it that way? It's not from millions and millions of years. It's because there was a flood on this earth and it's so obvious. Uh, we, we saw pictures yesterday of trees buried vertical in billions of, layer, billions of years of layers of rock layer. So they were trees that were like five or six billion years old, I guess, because they grew through those rock layers. No, it's because there was a tree there and that sediment leveled out on layer upon layer upon layer. So, I mean, it, basically, God wants us to look at nature and look at things of the past and make a decision for ourselves. The education system does not want that. The, the gods of our day, and Bill and I also kept saying, uh, <laughs> climate change and global warming, and they've changed the name of it so much. And, and, and you know, the elitists will look at us and we're having... Somebody said 15 days below certain degree, and, and you know, we'll say, oh, so, so much for Al Gore. And we see the memes with him up in the, in the Arctic with the flamethrower trying to melt snow and so forth. <clears throat> but worldwide climate change is nothing new. It's been happening since post the flood. Yeah, the, the climate's going to change. But we have the promise that was given to Noah when he got off the ark that there'll always be seed time and there'll always be harvest time. We're not worried about it. We know that God's in control. And it's just kind of funny that they set dates on it. And, well, Florida was already supposed to be gone in 2016, I believe. So it just kind of goes to show you that. So let's look here at first or Second Peter, verse number 3. And this, this is where we're going to begin. Sorry, Cody, I didn't give any verses. We're going to look at 3 and 4 today. And we're going to try and get out on time, get out early maybe, and uh, go home and freeze, right? <laughs> Second Peter chapter number 1 verse number 3 According to his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding and great precious promises that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us this morning. Lord, I thank you for a warm place. might have furnaces acting up and pipes that are frozen, but Lord, uh, uh, you've been too good to us. We're thankful that we have this. Lord, we're, we're not in the olden days where we're uh, riding horses to church or living in teepees or grass huts. Lord, that you've given us comforts of life, and I believe it's made me soft. And uh, Lord, we just uh, ask you to uh, be with us this morning. Lord, encourage us, uh, help us look at spiritual things and not earthly things. Uh, Lord, be with uh, uh, the services this morning and tonight. We just ask you that if, if there's someone in here this morning, Lord, that's not saved, I just pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would move in this place 
And Lord, if there's someone in here that might have the winter blues like me, I just pray that you would uh, encourage us and lift us up this morning. Lord, we love you, and we uh, ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, I, I think sometimes I, I kind of maybe talk about kids too much. Do you guys think I talk about kids too much? Maybe. I guess I talk about my kids a lot. They're probably going to grow up and hate that. <laughs> but uh, maybe they won't. I don't know. Uh, our kids ask me, and, and I was thinking about that this week. Um, you, ever, you ever hear somebody, and I think it's especially kids, that ask you to do something? And uh, our response is always, we'll see. <laughs> is, is, that the, is that the normal parent, parental response? We'll see. What, what does that mean? <laughs> Our kids have kind of grown to know that's the answers. Uh, it seems like when they were younger, we'll see. Yes. And now that they've kind of gotten older, now it's, oh, that means no. <laughs> Just kind of the way it is, I, we'll see. Well, what that means to me is, I don't know, we'll see. <laughs> I'm not going to say yes and I'm not going to say no. And uh, I, I think, I, I can't remember which one it was, but they said, why, do you just, why don't you ever just tell us yes or no? Because we'll see. <laughs> Things might change. We can't control that. Uh, and I think, I think us as parents especially, we, we tell our kids that because I hate, you know, I hate to, you know, we basically just hate to lie. We don't want to lie, even if it's an in, intentional so I think we, we've kind of guard ourselves into saying, well, we'll see. And sometimes that means if, uh, like what I tell our kids, you're with us, we're not with you. So if something comes up that we need to do, that kind of supersedes what you need to do. And that's how we do things in our life. We prioritize our life and wherever our priorities lay, that's the order that we do things. Oh gosh, I could get on one of those preacher pusher things right there about church attendance, couldn't I? But that's, that's how we do our lives. Whatever, whatever is precedence, whatever is ultimate in our life, and whatever has to be done, it's kind of how we set our priorities. And so when the kids say, can we, can we go to Kings Island this summer? We'll see. <sighs> well, we'll see means if there's some money we have and yeah, if, if it's not too busy and, and we feel like fighting crowds and if it's not too hot and we'll see like maybe we'll wake up some Saturday morning come on let's get loaded up let's let's go to Kings Island today we'll see that was a we'll see but we hate to say can we go to Kings Island this year yes <gasps> really you what's the next word out of their mouth you promise yes that's the exact next thing that comes out of their mouth what is that? Have you ever really thought about that before? And I hadn't really even thought about that till this week because, and you all knew the exact next words to come out of their mouth. And what that is, is we are ingrained, we're born with, it's natural for us to want that reassurance. We're so looking forward to something. Oh, if I get you to promise, you won't back out. That'll be it. It'll be locked in. Ever, ever thought about that? That's what we get. That's, that's what we try to do. We try to lock somebody in that contract. <gasps> really? We're going to Kings Island this summer? You, do you promise? You promise. And, and whenever our kids, on the rare occasions when, we've had, when I have said, yes, we'll do that. <gasps> really? Do you promise? No. 
And then their attitude kind of drops, like, what? But you, just said, you just said we would. Well, why won't you go ahead and promise to that? And then I, then I explain, well, I won't promise anything that's out of my control. As of right now, yes, we're planning on doing that, but I can't promise you because I, I don't know what's going to happen. <sighs> Yesterday morning, we're, we have the unofficial church van. It's a van, it's not a bus. We have the unofficial church van, and, uh, you know, we kind of had how many, who we were hauling and everything, and, and so yesterday morning I thought, I woke up, looked at my phone, I said, are you kidding me? Negative nine or something. I thought, oh, I better go out and try and get that thing started. It wasn't an easy task <laughs> at negative nine. We're already having some issues with it. I've got some parts ordered that were supposed to be here yesterday, but that wasn't going to do me any good at 7.30 yesterday morning, 8 o'clock yesterday morning. So I spent an hour getting it started. And the whole time, I'm, I'm frantic. I'm, I wasn't very pastoral yesterday morning. I'm throwing stuff around, muttering cuss words, I'm sure. And it, it wasn't very nice. Why? Because I had people dependent on me. And I had a, a truck over here that already wouldn't start the day before, so I knew that that was it. And, and I'm like, oh, I didn't promise, but I had people that were dependent on me. And I, my attitude was like, I have, to, I have to keep my word. Yeah, I told you guys, yeah, you ride with us. Yeah, you ride with us. It'll be, it'll be great. It'll be fun. And instead of taking two rigs down, it was looking like we're going to have to take about six. And I thought, I've got, I've got to get this thing going. Because I, I told him I would drive. I told him I would. And by the time all this was done, I was thinking about calling in sick yesterday. I was not in the mood to go. I was this, that, and the other. And I thought, oh, our kids are looking forward to this. And I didn't promise them, but there are things that come up in our life that are out of our control. Like a rig that won't start. Like water lines that are froze or spraying all over the house. Or just things that come up in this world that are out of our control. So we know that. And we kind of don't make promises, right? It'd be almost kind of flippant and foolish if we told our kids, oh, really? Yes, I promise. Well, things are going to come up. Things are going to be out of our control, and we can't always keep our word. Has anybody ever been able to keep every yes they've ever said or every no? I've kind of learned that you never say no. Has anybody ever learned that? You never say never. Never say never. Okay, this is a lesson for some of you. Never say never. <clears throat> like if somebody told us that we were going to have five kids, I'd have said, never. God has a sense of humor that way. <laughs> never say never. Or we have it all planned out. This is how it's going to be. Never say never. Never say never. I, I, I remember when, even when I was a kid, and especially it's important when you're a preacher, because I remember when I was a kid, hearing our preacher say that he would never have a Cadillac. Actually, I've heard two preachers say that in my life, that they would never have Cadillacs. And guess what those preachers drove? Cadillacs. <laughs> and that stuck with me. Never say never. Never say never. Your preacher drives a Mercedes, right? <clears throat> so never say never, because some things are out of our control. Or we might just change your mind. I could tell, yeah, we're going to tell the kids, yeah, we're going to go to the ark tomorrow and then everything that happened and just say, forget it, make a call. You guys go without us, have fun. And they would have said, oh, but you told us we were going to the ark. You, you promised. Never make promises. 
because things are out of our control. Am I right? Did you notice something that we just read in these verses? God promised. He promised. You know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about these, this prophecy series that will be coming on on Wednesday nights. How can God promise anything? Because one, He's not capable of lying. He tells us that. Two, He knows what's going to happen. Nothing ever catches Him on... Nothing, nothing catches God as a surprise. He never goes, oh, never. God is never surprised. He knows the beginning from the end. He is in control of every aspect. That's how you can make promises. I can't make promises. You know, there are very few times in our lives that we make promises. And one of the times we make promises is this. And I, I saw you guys make a promise. That when you stand before God with your spouse, I promise to never leave there, go through the vows. And what is that? That's a, that's a promise. That is a promise. And we make that promise. Uh, we can promise our kids this. I love you. Promise. And that is the one promise we'll make with our kids. I'll always love our kids. I mean, I like them all the time, but I always love them. I promise. I'll always love them. We'll, we'll always be that. There are very few promises that we can make in life. But that unconditional love should be a promise that we should be able to make. And God makes us this promise. And what is it? How, how is this? Look at verse number 3. According to His divine power. There's what it is. That verse begins that the grace and the peace that He promised us last Sunday morning, that He told us we would give, it starts off this verse on how He's able to do that. It's, it's through His divine power. According to His divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness... Here it is again, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. You know, I, I know it's hard for us sometimes in this fleshly body with this peanut-sized brain that we have and the comprehension level that we have sometimes to even understand the awesomeness and the greatness of God. I mean... We see it, we witness it, but it's hard for us to comprehend how, how just mighty God is, isn't it? Has anybody ever just really... I think when we, when we lose that lack of awe, I think we've gotten so far away from God that it's, it's almost, it, it, it is sinful. When, when we don't look outside and just see God's handiwork... I, I was outside the other day and just thought had to walk away from something that wasn't started and I just needed to like walk around the other side of the barn and I, I walk around the other side of the barn just to get away from it and, and, and I and I you know what you know something I noticed quiet <laughs> I noticed quiet just quietness and here it is I don't know nine o'clock in the morning or something like that and it was so quiet and I thought that's not normal. Why is it so quiet? And then I heard one animal, and that awed me. Do you, you want to know what that was? It was a crow, a single crow. And I stood there in the freezing cold and just listened for a couple minutes, 
thinking maybe it's just coincidence. Maybe that was, you know, maybe, maybe that's just coincidence. And no, I didn't hear a robin. I didn't hear a sparrow. The only thing I heard was a crow. I didn't hear any dogs barking even. It was just that quiet. And all I heard was a crow. And I thought, I just got to thinking about that. And I thought, God, you even programmed the animals when it is 15 degrees below zero that the only animal that cares to go out into this world and make a noise is the animal that we associate death with. Am I right? Nothing else was rejoicing. There, there weren't birds singing. There wasn't. The only thing that like cared to come outside was an animal that reminded me that even nature itself is not happy with cold weather. And the only thing that cares to go out and make a noise is a crow. You know, we're talking about ravens in Sunday school. And those two, that, that fowl is like associated with, with flesh and death. And that was the only thing that was willing to make a noise on that frigidly cold, nasty morning. I'm looking at weeds, and I'm like, they're dead. I walk over here, and I look at a tree, and it's not dead, but it is pulled back. It's, it's, it's not happy. And I'm, I began to look at everything just out in the yard there, and I thought, every, every, everything is suffering today. It's not just me because my truck won't start. Everything's suffering because of the curse that's on this world. Have you ever even just thought about that? What, what is that that just shows us the glory of God and His power? That He's in control of that. That He put our earth the specific distance away from our sun. That just a few more miles and all we would have is winter. Do you know what that is? That's His control and His power. And that if, if we lived in this miserable weather all the time, life just, for me, I just... I don't mind cold weather, but when it gets this long, it just kind of drags on, doesn't it? But because he wants to show us a little bit of life, he just pitches the earth just a little bit and gives us spring. And then summer. And then deer season. And then back to winter. So just the changing of our seasons shows us that God's in control. Just in the quiet death of that morning, I thought, there's your power. There's your control. There's your majesty. There's how awesome you are. And because you are in control, it's not going to be negative 15 degrees all year. Spring is hopefully around the corner. We'll get out of this nasty weather. But just seeing that is, shows us that God's in control. <clears throat> Look at that. According to His divine power hath given us all things pertaining, pertaining unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Now we're, we're going to break this down a little bit. Uh, do you, do you, do you ever think about this? Like what life would be like if you were never tempted by sin? wonder what that life would be like. Now someday we'll experience that, but for us now that would just be so different, wouldn't it? And maybe, maybe you're not all as vulgar and wicked as, Joel, I don't know, maybe you're not. You're sitting kind of close to where Evan does. <laughs> Glance to you this morning. But you ever thought about that? What, what it would be like, and not so much about yourself, but what it would be like to leave your house and not lock the door? Because that's what life would be like without the temptation of sin. What it would be like to... to 
not lock your car when you go to a parking lot. Or to not have to pay an insurance bill. <laughs> See, all these things pertain to the temptation of sin, not just for us, but to everyone else, because that's the world that we live in today, because everyone else is tempted by sin. It costs us money. It costs us time. It costs us... I've got a friend this week, and he just bought his son a car, and it was stolen. So he said, Mom, I have to go out and shoot some, horse, some more horses this week because i got to buy another car for the boy. Well, what is that? That was the result of someone being tempted by sin. And, and the age that we live in with drugs being so rampant, that, that is ugh, that's what's destroying our society, the temptation of sin. What, what would it be like if no one was tempted by sin? That's, that's the world I'm looking for. I'm not happy in this world. I'm, I'm looking for that world. And, and nonetheless, just the wicked thoughts that goes through my head and my heart, I, I don't even like those. But most people, most lost people do. Because why? They, they don't have the godliness through the knowledge of God. Isn't that interesting? One, one of the reasons that God destroyed this earth with a, was with a flood because the thought and the heart of man was evil continually. That's why God destroyed this earth the first time and He's going to do it again the second time because of that reason, because everything suffers because of that. But when godliness is in charge, then we have peace and then we have grace and we can only have that through the knowledge of God that it says, even in this verse, it kind of rounds back around to it, that because of the knowledge of God, we know why things are the way they are. And we see that the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory. Now, we, we talked about glory, I think it was on Christmas, maybe the, the week before Christmas, about the glory of God. And, and you know, I think we kind of hammered that out, but it's, it's my life isn't all that glorious. <laughs> it, it's not all, all that majestic. It's not all that peaceful. It's, it's not all that. But, you know, I'm, I'm looking for that life. I'm looking for a glorious life. But then you think about, well, is my life a little bit more glorious now than it could be? I want you to ask yourself that now. Is your life a little more glorious now than what it could be? Um, <clears throat> I've got a, a friend of mine that uh, they, they have a prison ministry, and they, they go preach every Wednesday night at a prison. And uh, I was watching a video of his this week, and he was talking about the prison ministry and, and so forth. And he said this, and it's a good reminder for all of us. He said the difference between us and prisoners is that they got caught and we didn't. <laughs> that, that's the only difference. That's, that's the only difference between me and somebody in prison is they got caught and we didn't. And, and if we'll remember that and have that mindset, that that is the difference between us. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we would be in their shoes. And because we have that knowledge of God and we've received that grace and we have that peace, we can be a little bit more glorious and a little more godly because of that. Let's keep going. Verse number four. <clears throat> Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Now, I, I, I found it interesting and, and I... I looked at this a little bit, uh, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. 
<laughs> rings a bell with some of you parents. <laughs> I don't remember how that goes. I listened to the, a little bit of the, I pulled it up on YouTube. If somebody looked at my YouTube history, they'd say, what in the world? Mary Poppins, what is he doing looking at Mary Poppins? It's the most wonderful word in the world. Am I right? Supercalifragilisticexpedia. You guys don't look impressed. <laughs> you couldn't say it? I couldn't spell it. <laughs> I, I didn't spell it. <laughs> Mary Poppins, big word. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Well, that's supposed to be the most wonderful world, word in the world, right? It's, it's when something is great. Some of you have never seen Mary Poppins. <laughs> Some of you are looking confused like you've never seen Mary Poppins. That was a big thing when I was, when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, what the Apostle Peter here is saying is supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Don't name it that. Don't name this message that, Cody. <laughs> or you could try typing in there. I'll do it. <laughs> Joel can do it. That's what Peter's saying here, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. That's basically what he's saying. Look, he's saying, given us exceeding. What is exceeding? It's above everything. It's better than better. It's gooder than gooder. It's the top of the list. It's number one. Exceeding. And then if that wasn't enough, he goes ahead and puts, it's great. It's exceeding above everything. It's great. And then if that wasn't enough, he says, and precious. It's supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. It's exceeding, it's great, and it's precious. What is promises? The promise that we have. Not about the promise of going to King's Island. Not about the promise of going to the Ark Encounter. Not, a, not even about the promise my wife said that she'd be with me until I'm dead. I think that she might have changed our vows. I'll, I'll be with you till you're dead. It kind of might worry you, I guess, a little bit. <laughs> she changes her mind, there's a way out. <laughs> By these ex- exceeding, great, and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Now, what made me pause this week when it was cold, nasty, 15 degrees below zero, and the only thing that I heard was a crow crying in the background? Because I was thinking about this verse. And I was thinking about how winter is a reminder of us of death. And that crow in the far distance was basically saying, death. Everything's going to die. Boy, isn't that just a wonderful Sunday morning message? I'm out here pouting (laughs) and thinking how horrible everything is. I go around and I'm looking at just stuff that's dead out out by the barn and like I hate winter and it's normally Christy I don't mind winter so much she's the winter downer but I'm just thinking you know I normally say I don't have to mow grass (laughs) but why don't we have to mow grass because the grass is dead why don't I have to rake leaves because the trees already died and their leaves are already gone why why it's death winter's not fun does anybody just enjoy winter I like snowmobiling I like four-wheeling I like sledding but working in it, no. Looking outside, I mean, the snow's nice for a day, and then it starts to melt and gets all splotchy and turns yellow. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I, winter's not. It's not enjoyable. I don't think when it's fresh and fluffy snow, it's all pretty. And then a week of that, and you're like, let's get on with it. 
I don't know how you guys lived in Michigan. That is beyond me. <laughs> Michigan people aren't right. <laughs> That's why they said Michigan people aren't right. Let's go south. <clears throat> but winter is just that. It's just death. And I'm walking around the barn and I'm thinking about that. Like it's so quiet and still. And that's kind of what made me pause. I'm like, wow, I don't, I don't hear an airplane. I don't hear a dog barking. It's quiet. And then that crow in the background just, gah, gah. and I thought, seriously, you're the only guy out today? And I'm like, that's death. So I've been kind of noticing that the rest of the week, like when it's super quiet, just go outside and listen. If you can get the neighbor's dog to shut up long enough, and of course, they're supposed to be in the house, aren't they? But just go outside and be like, that's the only thing. I've, I've picked that up twice this week. Like it would just be super quiet, and the only thing I hear is a crow. And it's almost like that crow in his still soft, quiet little voice off in the distance is reminding us that everything's going to die. What makes life miserable for most people? Sickness, disease, the death of a loved one. Would we all agree that that's what makes life miserable is death? And yesterday... One of, the, one of the videos said that it happens to 10 out of 10 people. <laughs> Death. It happens to 10 out of 10 people. So, so the thing that makes life not pleasant, the thing that gives us grief, the thing that hurts our heart, the thing that we really don't look forward to, happens to everybody. Why? Because that's natural. That's natural. Death happens to everybody. But wait just a minute by exceeding great and a precious promise, a supercalifragilisticexpialidocious promise, not by Peter, not by me, but by God, the controller of the universe, the power over everything, the prophetical foresight, the knower of all things, of everything, says that by this, you might be partakers of the, oh, look at this little word right here, divine nature. Not human nature, not the nature that we see change four times a year, but by a divine nature. Meaning what? That if you're born again, you're never going to die. Huh? We, we can't even comprehend that, can we? That, that doesn't even hardly sink in to us. We, we can't even hardly comprehend that. You know, I, 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 I've been a preacher for four years and uh, been, you know, around the ministry longer than that. And I was thinking about this, this message this week, and, and death's not one of those pleasant things we like to talk about. And, you know, and, and I, this is what I thought about. Some of you have more experience with this than I do. I have, I have never witnessed a person die. Isn't that weird? Four years as a pastor, I'm 39 years old, and I've never been in the room with someone when they died. And I thought about that this week, and I thought, that is odd. Is that, is that odd? How many of you have, I don't want to bring up, memories or emotions, but how many of you have, just curiosity, pulled for myself, how many of you 
have been in the room when someone has died? Almost every one of you. You have more experience with this than I do. Isn't that, isn't that odd? Isn't that strange? <clears throat> but I know and I've heard that people that understand this divine glory, people that are born again, they understand this divine glory. I've heard a lot of times they're at peace with this. Does anybody, can you, can you testify to that? It's, it's, it's hard on us loved ones, am I right? But someone that has peace with this divine glory, they're almost looking forward to it, aren't they? Because they're laying this flesh down. They're ridding it. <laughs> they're getting rid of the temptation. They're getting rid of the pain. They're getting rid of the grief. They're getting rid of, of all the stuff that the world just wants to be in. Lost people don't want to die. That's a well-known fact. <laughs> Lost people don't want to die. A lot of saved people don't want to die. I've kind of noticed the older you get, you're like, eh. <laughs> I remember when I was younger, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. The older you get, you're like, eh, happens to 10 out of 10 people I hear. Eh, I mean, there's still things I want to experience and things I want to see and things I want to, I want to whatever. But you know what? The more knowledge I have of God, eh, I'm okay with it. I'm at what? I, I, I know that I have this divine nature that when I die, it's just this flesh. My soul will always live. It will never die. The unfortunate thing, it's not just saved people that soul will never die. Lost people, soul will never die. The only difference is, is where that soul will spend eternity. And we have that comfort, and they don't. How do we have that comfort? through this grace that we've been talking about. How, how do we have that comfort? Through this peace. That's what peace is. And, and I thought about that this week, and I'm like, do I really even understand fully what that peace is? Because I've never been in the room with that person that has that peace. I've never been in the room with that person that doesn't have that peace, on the other hand, as well. I've heard stories, but, but that's what we're talking about. Supercalifragilistic expialidocious, exceeding great and precious promises. Do you ever think about Lazarus that Jesus brought back to life? What the rest of his life was like? <laughs> you ever think about that? Someone that was once dead, sick, mind you, on his deathbed, he saw it coming. Because that's why they went and got Jesus. He's sick. And then she should have got here quicker, Jesus. He wouldn't even have died. Remember that whole occasion? And Lazarus walks out of that tomb. I wonder if he would have been the most annoying guy at the party from there on forward because he knew something and was excited about something that you didn't have a clue of. Lazarus was that. He was the most annoying guy at the party. He was supercalifragilistic, expialidocious the rest of his life, I promise you. Because he understood this promise this divine nature. He knew that this life wasn't it. In us, we get consumed. Let's keep going in this verse. That you might be partakers of this divine nature having escaped. Having escaped. Lazarus had escaped. 
you and I, we have escaped. We just need to realize that we have escaped. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That, that's what it is. That, that is what will give us the grace and what will give us the peace is the knowledge of God and the understanding, if at all possible, in this flesh, which it is possible, or Peter wouldn't have said that we could escape. That when we have an understanding fully of this divine nature, we're walking through the ark yesterday and my, my sister was there with me and we were kind of talking about just uh, knowledge, I guess it was. And she, was, she, she couldn't get past. I mean, once you walk up to that thing and you're standing there looking up at it and you're like, no way. That's, that's got to be the first word that comes through everybody's mind. We're, we're walking through there. Do you guys think the same thing? No way. And my sister said, he didn't have cranes. I said, how do you know? <laughs> how, how do you know? I said, they might have had airplanes. They might have had helicopters. How, how, how do you? Just, just a silly example. It may not be silly. I don't know. But we're so conditioned and so ingrained from such a small age to only think in our time and what little bit of knowledge that we have. And once we've thought that way for so long, it's so hard for us to break out of the box. In Sunday school a month or so ago, I, I gave a story about how two guys... Uh, Someone left, for it, left home for a jog, made a left, made a left, made another left, and when they got back home, there was two guys in a mask. I nailed it. They left home for a jog. They made a left, a left, a left, and when they came back home, there was two guys there with a mask. Now, what are you guys all thinking? They went for a jog around the block, and when they got home, there was two guys robbing their house. And they were playing baseball. It'll take you the rest of the afternoon to put it all together. But, but I could have let you chew on that for the rest of the day and probably a week or two, and you wouldn't have, it wouldn't have snapped. <laughs> there was 20 cattle and 20 sheep, seven, eight. Uh, anyway, once we get something stuck in our head, it's hard for us to get it out. And we, ha we live in an age to where things are crammed in our head from a child, and it's hard for us to think any other way. It's hard for us to think of this divine nature because all we see around us is death. And that crow this week was a total reminder for me of that. Even when there's stillness and there's quietness, often the distance is that little quiet reminder of death. That little crow in the background, crowing, is a reminder of death. We are surrounded with death. That's all we think about. We have life insurance. How many have life it should be called death insurance, but that's just too cruel. <laughs> we have death insurance. <laughs> we, we have health insurance to keep us from dying so that we can't cash in the death insurance. Our, our constant, we, we take pills because we're afraid of dying. We, we, we plan things in advance. We have 401Ks because we're talking about a, a guy that was 63 years old this week, had a heart attack, and he just retired a couple months ago. Was that in his plans? Nope. Our constant life is surrounded about that distant crow in the background of death. We know it's there. We, we know it's there. You could go outside 
when it is 60 degrees on a sunny day, and if you concentrated enough, do you know what you'd hear in the background? A crow. But you would hear squirrels acting like deer in the leaves. You'd hear the neighbor pruning bushes and lawnmowers and dogs barking. You'd hear all that stuff. That's, that's our everyday life stuff. That's the stuff that gets in the way. But it's only when you're in the hospital or you get the bad report from the doctor that you hear that crow in the distance. The crow's always there. We always think about it. We're consumed by it. Our life's consumed by it. <clears throat> when, when Noah released, and I won't get into Keith's message for next week or the week after that, but that raven, when he released that, it was happy. That death is happy. That, that death is filled with flesh, and that flesh is happy. What, what did he say? That we could escape the corruption that's in this world through, here it is, lust. Lust of the flesh. But we are so consumed and we're so worried about what this flesh wants we, we, we don't even think about that divine nature. We, we, we can get so consumed with flesh that we are not even worried about other people's nature. Do, do you know that we are surrounded by dead men walking? When, when we go to work tomorrow, there'll be dead men walking. When, when we go to our friend's house, there'll be dead men walking. There are people that are dead. They're born that way. I was born that way. Can't help it. People are born dead. They will die twice, what the Bible says. But unless they get born again, they'll die twice. We're consumed and we worry about this flesh nature and this human nature and this man's nature. And if we get so consumed with it, We'll not worry about telling people about the divine nature that you'll never die. You're never going to die. And I was thinking about that this week and just the blues of winter. I don't know if you can tell, but I got them. <laughs> and I thought, why am I so consumed with this life? Why isn't my focus more on the next life? Not for me, but for my family. For you. For the dead men that I see walking. And then I thought, that's our whole purpose and plan for being here, is that. It's for this divine nature. And it's a supercalifragilistic, expialidocious promise from God that cannot lie, that knows the future and is in control and in charge of it, and that designed my future, tells me that I'll never die. So why do we worry about it so much? Why aren't we concerned with other people never dying? Why aren't we concerned with other people not having this divine nature? That's our purpose. That's our goal here. So, it's supposed to warm up this week, but I want you to do this. I want you to, when you get home, I don't know if it'll happen today, but just think about that. It, it'd be just cold, bitter cold. And that one little thing you hear in the background is a crow. What is that? That's the reminder that something is out there. That something that's out there is death. Within less than 100 years, every one of us in this room is going to die. <laughs> I giggle because I shouldn't have there, but Wade. 
we were talking about what you want to be when you grow up, and he wants to be on the jelly jar. Get that? He, he wants, uh, Al Roker has the jelly jar and has everybody that's 101, 102, 104 years old. That's what Wade wants. He wants to be on the jelly jar. My seven-year-old taught me the lesson this week. What, what does that mean? He wants to live a long time. That's what he wants to be when he grows up. He wants to be on the jelly jar. He wants to live a long life. I want to live a long life. How many of you want to live a long life? Yeah, it'd be crazy not to, right? We want to be on the jelly jar. That's what we want to be when we grow up is on the jelly jar. <clears throat> but guess what? We, not all of us are going to be on the jelly jar. We all, we all won't, Al Roker won't get to say all of our names and where we're from and what we did for a living. <laughs> we won't all get to make it on the jelly jar. But you know what? Because of this divine nature, I'm not a bit worried about it. I could care less if I ever make the jelly jar. I didn't make the milk carton when I was a kid. I didn't miss that. I don't, I don't care if I make the jelly jar when I'm an old guy. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll probably never make the jelly jar. But you know what? Those guys and ladies that even make the jelly jar... They may not make the jelly jar two or three years in a row. And you know what? If you have that divine nature, so what? I didn't make the jelly jar. <laughs> but I'll make the eternity jar. Think about that. Don't, basically, in a roundabout way, don't focus about the cold. Don't focus about the nasty weather, the frozen pipes. Don't focus about this life now focus on this divine nature that's ahead of us because we're never going to die. How reassuring is that? How refreshing is that? I don't have to worry about death. I don't have to fear death. Jesus Christ conquered death for me. He did something that I couldn't do. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He took care of it for me. It's because of his power and his divine might that he was able to do that. And he gives me this divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. So simple. It's the Christian life, all wrapped up. Thank you very much, Apostle Peter. I could have never thought of that myself. Let's pray and get out of here. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us, Lord. And Father, I pray that if there's someone in here this morning that's lost, Lord, that they can have this divine nature. They can, they can be born again, Lord, to where they'll never die, where they'll live with you in eternity. And Lord, it's not through behavior. It's not through circumstance. It's not through morality, Lord. It's not through... Uh, baptism or church membership it's only through the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ and by placing their trust in that that they they trust in Jesus to get to heaven they trust in Jesus to be born again they trust in everything that he's done and nothing that we have done and Lord I pray that they would do that this morning if that's the case Lord the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and I pray that they do that from their seat Lord the rest of us Lord as we uh, contemplate on this cold, nasty winter day, Lord, I, I pray that uh, we would leave this place this morning with a different focus in life. I pray that I would go out this week with a different focus in life and not worry about the things that are before me, but Lord, the promises that you've given us, Lord, we've kind of uh, made light of how exceeding great and precious that promise is, Lord, but it, it's the best thing ever. Uh, we, we can't even describe it. It's hard for us to comprehend it. But Lord, we're so thankful for those promises, and you are a God that cannot lie. And we're depending solely upon you, Lord. Our faith and trust is in, in your finished work, and we thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that as we go out this week, 
Uh, Lord, that we would be more concerned with, with other folks' divine nature and that you would uh, give us that spirit of boldness to speak that and to ask that question, Lord, and just have the people ask and wonder. And, uh, Lord, we're, we're dependent upon you to do that. And I just pray that you be with us uh, this afternoon and bring us all back tonight for services, Lord, and that you would be in that as well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.